0: everyone, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio, and my name's Basil.
1: And this is Gans. Welcome to episode number 121. This episode, we're
0: going to return to kind of an old tradition here at Canary Cry Radio. Many of you may remember from some earlier episodes, we would break away from the interview style for a couple of hours to kind of delve deep into certain topics.
1: Yeah, we had fear back in episode 34. We had numbers. Uh, Water, blood, and I believe the last time we did anything like this was on zombies back in 2014. That's right, it's been a while. But thanks to
0: uh, our valuable listeners mentioning that they missed these old duo episodes with Gons and I, we thought we'd give you one on light.
1: Yeah, and you know, for some reason, this has been very challenging to put together and record. I think there are some forces that are trying to prevent us from talking about this topic. Basil, what do you think?
0: That's true. We've pretty much sat down to record this one about six times now. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully it turns out uh, to be worth all the trouble. But I think so, because light is an important topic. It touches on a lot of the strange things that we talk about on this show. In fact, it touches on everything. Pretty much everything, yeah. It's literally how we see the world. And I think a lot of times we take it for granted.
1: Yeah, we can probably just change the name of the podcast to Canary Light Radio and just talk about light forever because there's so many things related to light. I mean, we can't see anything without light, Basil.
0: Yeah, we might need to check with our PR people about the name change, but (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode as we delve deep into the subject of light And I think we're going to save a lot of the housekeeping for the end of the episode. Yes. So you're welcome, everybody. Yep. Hey, Gans. Yeah. Let there be light.
1: It is during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. Aristotle. When walking through the Valley of Shadows, remember, a shadow is cast by a light. Austin O'Malley.
2: There are two ways of spreading light to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. Edith Wharton.
0: In order for the light to shine so brightly, the darkness must be present. Francis Bacon Walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking
1: alone in the light. Helen Keller
2: When you can't make them see the light, make them feel the heat. Ronald Reagan We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Plato The sun is gone, but I have the light. Kurt Cobain At times our own light goes out and is rekindled by
1: a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude
0: of those who have lighted the flame within us. Albert Schweitzer
2: a street full of electric light is a civic failure and is an insulting injury to the soul. Shutting out the night is a disastrous as shutting out the light. Michael Lunick Truth will ultimately prevail where there is pains to bring it to light. George Washington Death is not extinguishing the light. It is only putting out the lamp because the dawn has come. Rabindranath Tagore Following the light of the sun, we lift the old world. Christopher Columbus Every moment of light and dark is a miracle. Walt Whitman Electrical science has revealed to us the true nature of light, has provided us with innumerable appliances and instruments of precision, and has thereby vastly added to the exactness of our knowledge. Nikola Tesla
1: Words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. Mother Teresa.
2: In faith there is enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to blind those who don't. Blaze Pastor.
1: You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. It's the thing that God creates in the first chapter of Genesis and it's the that characterizes a restored creation in the final chapter of the book of revelation it's light basil
0: yes and you know light is a pretty complicated topic no matter how much we use it in our daily lives for almost everything we do it's gonna get a little heavy but first let's keep it light
1: Light is defined as, according to the Merriam-Webster, something that makes vision possible, the sensation aroused by stimulation of the visual receptors, and electromagnetic radiation of any wavelength that travels in a vacuum with a speed of 299,792,485 meters for you metric folks out there, or 186,000 miles per second. Specifically, such radiation that is visible to the human eye.
0: Yes. And the interesting thing is that Merriam-Webster
1: also mentions spiritual illumination and truth. Yeah, that's interesting that they would include those as part of the definition of light.
0: It's very interesting, but I don't think surprising for those of us who listen to or speak on this podcast. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. But light's fun. It shows up all over the place, quite literally. But... (laughs) Even in our cultural landscape, I mean, guns—you can't avoid lightsabers. I'm just gonna say, you literally cannot avoid them. They're too fast. They'll they'll, <laughs> cho- they'll, they'll chop you up like a like a evil Jedi.
1: Well, I, you had mentioned in one of our previous takes of this podcast episode that lightsaber isn't technically a light.
0: That's true. Lightsaber is a misnomer. It should be a laser saber. Laser which is saber. A way cooler name.
1: Yeah. Well, there's also coming from the same uh, thing there with Star Wars, you have light speed.
0: Light speed shows up all over the place. Sci fi fanatics are well aware of light speed, also known as warp speed. Yeah. Or ramming speed. Ramming
1: (laughs) speed? What's that?
0: I don't know. If you want to ram into a star or something. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what one of my favorite light-based sci-fi things is, Gons? I actually do, because it's we're looking the, at the same notes. Don't give it away. It's the Neuralizer from Men in Black. The little memory flashlight eraser thingy.
2: Good afternoon. Please give your attention to my associate, Agent J. He's going to demonstrate an electro-biomechanical neural transmitting zero synapse repositioner. We call it the Neuralizer. Keep it simple, Slade. Mm, thanks
1: a lot. Thank you, Agent K. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, look right here. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting is that device is not just science fiction. They're actually trying to work on it. QZ.com reported that such a device is a step closer to reality, and researchers at UC Davis have successfully erased specific memories from the brains of mice by using beams of light. Yes, light, just like the neuralizer tool in uh, Men in Black. There you go.
0: We're really getting there, guys. We're
1: really (laughs) getting there. (laughs) Just a tease for some of the intense stuff that we are going to get into later. But there's also, um, have you seen Death Note, Basil? You know,
0: I haven't. And you have mentioned Death Note on this show and our other shows so many times. It's an anime for those out there who are not aware.
1: Yeah, and if you have Netflix, you can see the American live action version of it that just published a few days ago. The main character of the story, Light Yagami. Oh, man. Is he a good guy? He is both good and bad, but mostly he is a guy who thinks he's turning himself into a god and saving humanity.
0: Oh, so he's that kind of light. <laughs> <laughs> he's more of a Luciferian he's character. He's more of a
1: light bearer type of oh, light right Great, yeah.
0: great, great, great. Well, you know, one of uh, one of my favorite Disney movies... Gonna say Lightning McQueen.
2: Look, well, Grandpa, I'm not a bulldozer.
0: I'm a race car. Oh, is that right? He's a race car. Real, real sentient race car.
1: <laughs> good stuff. Um, there's also Twilight for you. Sparkling like vampires. Sp- very good. <laughs> sparkling vampires and werewolves. Moon- Moonlight won all those awards. Did you yeah. see that one? No. Oh, cool. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> No. Okay. Uh, There's the Twilight Zone, which Mm -hmm. I think, as Canary Cry Radio listeners would know, most of the stuff that they covered was, you know, some of the things that we covered. They knew back then.
0: You know, I'm kind of realizing we're just kind of naming things with light in it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's also uh, the Doors song, Light My Fire. Yeah. Ray of Light by Madonna. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stones, Shine a Light.
0: Yeah, Inner Light by the Beatles. A lot of people might not remember that one. It was written by George Harrison in, uh, I think, the late 60s. Is he considered
1: third wheel or fourth wheel? I, I, think, I think Ringo that, is more popular than George Harrison, so maybe, yeah, th- maybe he's think, the last. I think that wheel just went flying off the car a
0: long time ago. Sorry, George. <laughs> You're cool man. Um, there's Into the Light by Prince. Bring the light by smashing pumpkins. Bring the light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guiding light by Muse, and heaven is ten zillion light years away by Stevie Wonder.
1: Um, there's also have you seen this uh, practice of light graffiti, where you it's, it's the long exposure stuff. The long exposure stuff. You can like write stuff on the wall with a little flashlight or a little beam of light, and it makes cool little designs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, so there's that. Cool. But ultimately, I think the best and most important thing that we're going to bring up here at the beginning is uh, something you can buy on Amazon. Do uh,
0: we have a product? Are we plugging a product right now? Uh,
1: we're not sponsored by this product. Um, you can thank Jeff Bezos for providing it for all the folks who need it. As uh, we should Basil, thank him for a lot of things. Sure. Um, have you ever gone to the restroom in the middle of the night? Uh, yeah. How, how did that go for you? It was dark. It was was dark. Well, no more. You can get the Global Nightlight Toilet that illuminates your toilet for late night situations. Global. The Global.
0: Is how much is this available right now? Is this a real thing? It is. You can look it up. I think it comes. I'm pulling it up right now. I think it comes in different colors too. Oh my gosh! And it's on sale right now. (laughs) It's on. It's on mega sale. Global A... Whoa, there's a lot of numbers. Global motion-activated toilet nightlight. 986 with Prime. <laughs> Free shipping on over orders over 25. You know what we should do? We should put this on our Amazon wish list. We should. Motion-activated, so it turns on when you enter and off when you leave. <laughs> when you enter, the global will automatically activate lighting your way. That's going to be... I, I think this is a good... Uh, Father's Day present. If I, you know, if I'm being honest. Okay, ladies, I'll keep that in <laughs> keep that in mind. Get on it. Light sensitive, only activates in the darkness. Global will
1: deactivate the instant it detects light to maximize battery life. <laughs> All right, so, so those are your things that have light in it. From, it's going uh, on. It's going on the wish list. Yeah. <laughs> Gons, did you know that the world's longest lasting
0: light bulb? Uh, It's called the Centennial Light. It's in California. It's been burning since 1901, with the exception of some uh, Some power outages. outages. Yeah, I've heard
1: about that. So, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, how do they keep it going? Is it just, um, is it on display?
0: No, you just plug it right into your brain, because while awake, your brain generates enough power to illuminate a uh, 25-watt light bulb.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Have you heard about how polar bears, their hair's not white? You know, people always say that and it's because the people reflection s- of the light people say that
0: they say that pulley bears are white but they're not they're <laughs> clear
1: but thanks yeah. to light we can see them yeah you know in victoria australia only a licensed electrician is allowed to change a light bulb is that true i don't know oh, is that true are there okay if we need anybody- to ask our friends down under if that's true
0: if there's anybody in Australia who lives specifically in Victoria, Australia, you need to email us, let us know. We will revise this entire podcast. No, <laughs> we <this> won't. Means... <laughs> we will record this for a seventh time. <laughs> um, here's an interesting fact. Uh, in some countries like Scotland and I think Japan, they switched their streetlights to being blue and it, they actually saw a decrease in crime. I think maybe it might be more stressful. And the blue just, light is
1: stressful, so, so yeah. they just get get over the fact they, that they want to yeah, commit just, a crime.
0: No, they just want to run away from it. It's it's sketchy cuz you know like police lights are blue kind of activates that little part of your brain. I don't know. That's my theory. Yeah. Um so hey guns, have you have you ever heard this thing called a traffic light?
1: I think most of us deal with traffic lights daily. Yeah.
0: Did you know that the yellow in the traffic light didn't exist until the 1920s? I did not. Yeah, it was decades after the the thing came out. It was just red and green, baby, no slowing or speeding up or whatever you do during the yellow one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yellow either means slow down or speed up to make the light, Yeah.
0: And the world's oldest traffic light is in Asheville, Ohio. Thank you, America, 1932. Uh, It looks really weird. I don't know if anybody, maybe if you're listening to this and you're not doing anything better, like maybe driving through a street light, you should uh, should Google this. The Asheville, Ohio light uh, uh, built in 1932, it looks like a futuristic like floating robot. It's crazy looking.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the monster from uh, the one eyed monster from Monsters. I didn't see it. Guns, monsters are scary. Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they look like flying robots or some kind of droid from the game Portal.
0: Yeah, it does. It looks like a little droid that would float around and help you in a video game.
1: Yeah. Well, according to English law, the right to light states that the owner of a building with windows that have received natural light for 20 years or more. Is entitled to forbid any construction or other obstruction that would deprive him or her of that illumination.
0: You know that's pretty interesting, and it's it's even more interesting because every law has to be like written for a reason, for like a, a you know a seminal case, right? <laughs> I can just imagine some ornery Englishman,
2: Henry. <laughs> It's not your
0: fault. <laughs> Just who has a nice, you know, maybe a nice window that shines in on a on a chair that he drinks his coffee in in the morning and his cat's there and his plants are growing. And then somebody builds like a castle next to it. And uh, this guy won. I don't know how he did it, but he won the case right to light, baby. <laughs> this this
1: whole theoretical way that this, uh, this law came to be this that you invented, just invented
0: <laughs> This invented story.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't, um, don't uh, quote Basil on the, the background of that story there. Nope, that's absolutely 100% true.
0: Did you know that there's a town in the Alps that doesn't get any direct sunlight for 84 days out of the year?
1: 84 days?
0: That's 84 days. That's, that's almost long. three months of shadow yeah, in the entire... <laughs>
1: It's crazy. But they do get light, right? They 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 get light light around. They have a giant mirror. Yes. On the side of a mountain.
0: By installing a giant mirror on the side of a mountain that shines sunlight down onto the, the little village. So that's nice.
1: I wonder if that's even more blinding. In some respects, then, well, I guess the you sun know, itself is. It does sound kind of dangerous. Like, what if it concentrates on like a like a house or something, and it burns the down? the whole <laughs> town goes up in flame. Yeah.
0: Uh, Gons, have you ever looked at a uh, Have you ever looked at a bright light and then sneezed? I don't know. I don't think I have, but eighteen to twenty three percent of the population has photo sneeze reflex, where they sneeze when they look at a bright light
1: that's really interesting I don't know maybe when they look at the light they see the dust particles and then they cause you know in, in light you can see Gans gons.
0: what leave it to the scientists alright okay <laughs> okay fine don't, don't make up crazy stories <laughs> just because you don't have the facts behind one of our things <laughs> alright alright well I think that's enough nonsense uh, yeah. you wanna get in, you wanna talk science for a little bit
1: let's let's talk science you lead the way there
2: the science of light.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's start at the very beginning. In case you didn't know, light is actually just a small expression, a small manifestation, if you will, of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yes, that's right. The electromagnetic spectrum, something that is so integral to life in our universe that uh, a lot of us don't really think about it. The speed of light, as you said, is a little over 180,000 miles per second. Got to remember the per second. A lot of people don't remember that. But the fascinating thing about this electromagnetic spectrum is, as far as we know, it goes in an infinite amount up the spectrum and an infinite amount down the spectrum, and right in the very middle, a very tiny little sliver of this spectrum is what we call visible light. And that's where you get your purples and your blues and your greens and your yellows and your oranges and your reds. But down on the blue side, the purple side, if you keep going past that visible light, you get ultraviolet rays, you get x-rays, you get cosmic rays and gamma rays, and we don't know anything past that. Currently, we're only able to measure cosmic and gamma rays on that side of the spectrum, but we have no reason to believe that that spectrum ends. Now, conversely, on the other side, on the red side, you have infrared, you have heat itself, you have radio waves, and as far as we can tell, it doesn't stop. Up on the red side, you have a decreasing energy, decreasing frequency and the wavelengths are very large. So you have big, large, slow-moving waves. Well, slow to us is about 10,000 nanometers. Is about where uh, heat stands. And down on the purple side, you have increasing energy, increasing frequency. You have very tight, fast-moving wavelengths for electromagnetism. Let me stray off for a second. This is an interesting thing. I mean, as far as our instruments are concerned, we don't know what's smaller than cosmic rays and gamma rays, and we don't know what's bigger than radio waves. I don't know. There's something about it. There's something about it that just makes me think, you know, we we talk about a lot of spiritual things. We talk a lot about the invisible realm, the spiritual realm, and we sort of talk about it as if it's, um, almost imaginary or or sort of unreachable. But the fact of the matter is, it could be happening all around us. It could be happening through us, inside of us, passing through us, or on top of us. But it's, if it's happening in a part of the electromagnetic spectrum that we are unable to see, and remember, we're we're only able to see just the tiniest fraction of this scale, I mean... It gives a whole new realistic sort of... I get goosebumps
1: when I start thinking about it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You have this little graphic here that shows the whole spectrum. And I find it interesting that the middle range of the spectrum is green. You know, because green means life. And it's just sort of, you know, plants and yeah, vegetables hey, and stuff. There you go. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe good, there's something Good
0: looking it. out, Gons. Greeny gons is what we call them. (laughs) Now, here's something just to keep in mind as we're talking about this. And many of you deep thinkers out there may have already spent way too much time tripping out on this. But just for those who may need a reminder, when we look around the world around us, and maybe we see a chair or a water bottle or uh, my stapler, which is gold, um pure gold Pure gold. <laughs> do you have a pure gold stapler nah it's from Target are
1: the staples themselves also gold
0: no well, that's uh, too expensive are you crazy <laughs> um, <laughs> but what we're seeing we're not actually seeing a chair we're not actually seeing a golden stapler right. what we're seeing is the light bouncing off of the stapler going into our eyeballs and being interpreted by our brains and that's something I think we take for granted Uh, really, the way that we see the world is entirely based on the kind of light that's being projected or reflected off of objects and into our eyeballs. And that's kind of, it kind of gives me an eerie feeling when I think about that, because who knows, there's a lot of light tricks you can play to fool people. And sometimes I wonder if I can even trust my own eyeballs and they're, interpretation of electromagnetic waves
1: right well did you know that all humans actually have the ability to see ultraviolet light but it's passively filtered out of the eye's lens but there are certain people who undergo surgery to remove that lens and they can detect ultraviolet light
0: that sounds pretty spooky that's like taking uh i mean that's a that's a pretty short trip to some transhumanism
1: abilities yeah. Well, there's yeah bees and butterflies. They also see in, in different spectrums. And so, yeah, certainly I think we might uh, start tinkering with ourselves or not us, but certain folks who want to do that in the laboratory are going to start meshing some of these uh, abilities of animals and try to, you know, put it into the to the man.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think I'll keep my eyeball lenses. It sounds like something really important that I want to keep your your eyeball lenses. Yeah, the lenses to my eyeballs. Do you have bad vision? I do wear glasses to see things. I pass light through a
1: layer of glass,
0: a a layer of glass which slows the light and bends the light in order to interpret the light better in my uh, brain.
1: I didn't realize there was so much happening just. There is so much
0: happening Yeah the light that you look through When you are wearing glasses Is actually moving slightly slower Than uh, people who aren't wearing glasses So technically if you wear glasses The world is happening Before you even know it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Yeah Yep Well, have you heard about Billion Suns, Gans?
1: Um, I have heard something.
0: Here's an even better question, Gans. Okay. Have you ever stared at the sun? Uh, No, I have not. Okay. Well, if you ever go out and stare at the sun, this experiment was a billion times that.
1: Right. There was a report (laughs) that was published on the independent billion suns scientists create brightest light ever produced on earth at least uh that's what they think uh unimaginably strong laser beam acts like an x-ray that could be used to spot tiny fractures and tumors in the body that would otherwise be missed so uh you know, shoot those laser beams at the body so they can figure out what's wrong with you
0: this brings up a good point that uh What we are able to see when we look at the chair, the definition we see in the chair, the color we see of the chair, and even... Uh, how deep we can see into the layers of the chair is all based around the light that we shine at the chair. Depending on how bright that light is, what color it is, uh, what wavelength it's moving, it's going to change exactly what we see in the chair. So what they have here is a crazy bright light that is so bright that you can basically see through things.
1: Right. I mean, I used to do that as a kid. I used to put a flashlight, you know, up to my hand or something, and you can sort of see yeah. the bones in your hands and whatnot. But this is a uh, times a billion, or more than that.
0: Right. So when a light hits an object, a photon will bounce off off of it and bounce into your eyeball. That's what makes you see it. With this light that they created, instead of one photon bouncing off and going into your eyeball you get a thousand photons bouncing off into your eyeball, which is going to destroy your eyeball. So be careful (laughs) about that. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, maybe they'll figure out ways to see into other dimensions as well with this super high. Oh
0: no, that's probably is what they're going to do.
1: That's probably what they're trying to do at CERN. But anyway, getting ahead of ourselves (laughs) there. Um, How do they measure light?
0: Well, measuring light is interesting. One of the most interesting experiments and ways that we view the universe around us is something called blue shift and red shift. Have you heard about this, Gans? I have, yeah. Yes. So what scientists have done, when they look out into the universe, we see stars and other celestial bodies. And recently... We've come to the conclusion recently, within the past hundred years, we've come to the conclusion that the universe is growing, ever expanding, which is kind of creepy and kind of blows your mind to think about. Don't think about it too hard right now. You'll get distracted. You'll miss some of the cool stuff. But late at night when you have nothing else to worry your mind, just think about the universe getting bigger and bigger infinitely. Uh, But the way that they figure that out, now, remember, the red side of the spectrum is the big, slow-moving side of the spectrum. The blue side of the spectrum is the small, fast-moving part of the spectrum. When scientists look out into the universe, most stars and celestial beings look red. That's kind of what you think of when you look up into the star, uh, into the stars. You kind of think, oh, the red stars. or orange, the stars. And that's because... When a light source moves away from an observer, it's actually slowing down the rate that it takes the light to get to the observer. So that therefore, the light that makes it to the observer, like your eyeball or a telescope or something, is going to look more red. Now, if a source of light is moving closer to an observer, it's going to look blue because the light waves are actually having to travel less distance, increasingly less distance over time, which then shifts all the light to blue. Now, when we look up into the sky, most celestial bodies look red to our instruments, which leads us to the conclusion that the universe is ever-expanding, and scientists even think that uh, someday there won't even be stars in the sky because they'll be moving away from us too fast for the light to ever reach us. There's just going to be light moving forever. It's, it's kind of trippy.
1: Sorry, I have a farting baby. <laughs> Can we leave that in the podcast? Uh, if you'd like to, sure.
0: Gons, you got any light science for me?
1: Yeah, well... In 1999, a Harvard physicist, Lene Howe, was able to slow down light to 17 meters per second. And in 2001, was able to stop light completely. That's humongous.
0: I mean, that's, that's a huge breakthrough. And if I remember correctly, it had something to do with magnets and very low temperatures.
1: So they were able to kind of suspend it? Is that
0: what it is? Yep, and actually it's, it's a little disputed uh, if it actually counts. A, a lot of people have tried doing the same thing, but as, uh, as far as we're concerned on this episode, yes. They stopped light at Harvard. Yes, well, I can stop light too with my hand. Putting it <laughs> in you're front. Super bad. Yes. yes, but this was a very fascinating experiment and um, did show that... Light is not invincible. <laughs> it, can, it can be controlled.
1: At least to... light in our spectrum. Yes. When passing sound waves through an air bubble immersed in water, it presents a rather unusual occurrence. Light. And if you collapse an underwater bubble with a sound wave, a light is produced and nobody knows why. You know,
0: that's actually a fact I remember talking about in the sound episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so that's very interesting. Yep, it it turns out when there's a lot of things that happen in the universe that we have no idea why light is created. Gons, have you ever heard of the
1: double slit experiment? I have, and I think we've talked about this several times on uh, many different podcast episodes. I think
0: we have as well. And just as a reminder for people, you know, a lot of us... We talk about light and we talk about it as uh, electromagnetic waves, sometimes we talk about it in photons, and for some of you picky people out there, you might think, well, wait, it can't be a wave and a photon, a wave is different from uh, a particle. And that's exactly right, and that is one of the most interesting things about light, is that it is simultaneously, depending on the observer, both or either a particle, or a wave. Now this experiment is a pretty old experiment actually. Uh, It was done decades ago, and it was done by shooting light through two slits in, let's just call it a piece of cardboard. Now it's a little bit hard to communicate exactly how this experiment works in an audio medium like this. So I recommend everybody look up. There's a lot of great YouTube videos on the double-slit experiment. But the long and short of it is is we have no idea how or why light acts the way it does. Sometimes it's a wave when it needs to be a wave. And other times it's a particle, a massless particle when it needs to be a particle.
1: So it's a shape-shifter.
0: It is... Both a shapeshifter and not a shapeshifter. <laughs> <laughs> it has this sort of dual reality that we are so far unable to quite understand and so far slightly unable to use. I mean, well... it work- It works when it works and it doesn't work when it doesn't work.
1: True. I mean, there's all sorts of different interpretations about the observer and you know his or her influence on the particles and things like that.
0: Yes, well we can get pretty uh, we can get pretty deep on that, but we're talking about science here, John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and um actually some of those concepts of those particles or waves also apply with quantum computing and what's called linear optical quantum computing. Oh, the dreaded
0: quantum computing that's going to create the AI robots that consume us all for energy.
1: Right. And normally, you know, with classical light, you have, uh, or coherent light, as some put it, you have a light input which creates or produces a light output. But with quantum computers, a superposition of quantum state inputs yields a quantum light state output called non-classical light. And, yeah, and this light can't be described using the classical electromagnetism that, that you were describing a little bit early on.
0: And that's where things get really squirrely, don't they, Gons?
1: Yeah, it gets a little bit complicated because, basically, you know, we've described how quantum computers work, where you have, instead of just, you know, flipping back and forth ones and zeros and trying to make one computation at a time, With quantum computers, you sort of have this infinite information that comes in and out, and you know, once they find the answer, you can produce the answer, and it can happen a lot faster than a linear program.
0: It happens a lot faster because traditional computing use electrons to shoot through circuits, and uh, that's in layman terms, is what completes the equations and computations that computers work on. Now the problem is that electrons have mass. right? But photons, however, have no mass, and therefore no friction. So they're able to move through computational uh, hardware much faster, almost infinitely fast. At least at 186,000 miles per
1: second. (laughs) Right. Unless you have some sort of electromagnetic wall in there and then you can just stop it.
0: Yeah, that's fun.
1: Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, we've talked about CERN and their opening portals to hell. Uh, But in the meantime, (laughs) there was some light news that came out. And I don't mean that in the uh, weight kind of light, but actual light particles. This was published by nature.com back on the 18th, light bouncing off light. So for the first time, light is seen reflecting off of other light particles, which is weird because you said just now,
0: they have no mass. This is another one of those mysteries that we are unable to explain at this very moment. If a particle with no mass hits something with mass, it can bounce off. Right. But if a particle with no mass hits another particle with no mass, theoretically, there should be no bouncing guns. <laughs> there should, should be just, no
1: bouncing. They should just wave by each other. Exactly. Or through each other. Yes. Yeah, but that's not the case. According to CERN, they've discovered little light particles bouncing off of each other, which they suggest might have something to do with dark matter, and, you know, it gets all science We might have to do a whole episode on dark matter. That might be a pretty short
0: show, actually. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> s- what it is. There's only so much you can report about dark matter.
1: Mathematically it's there, but no one has ever seen it.
0: Gons, did you know that each person has stripes on their body called Blaschko's lines, but you can only see them in in uh, ultraviolet light?
1: I did not know that until We're all
0: ultraviolet tigers.
1: All right. <laughs> yeah, some of those animals um who see in the ultraviolet spectrum might see humans and think, "Oh, the tigers of the world that's true that
0: walk upright speaking of animals and light uh have you heard of a little thing called bioluminescence oh of course i don't know what that accent was or why (laughs) bioluminescence prompted me to enter that accent but i apologize and i'll never do it again please forgive me Bioluminescence is the awesome fact that uh, within biological systems on Earth, many plants and many animals, simply chemical reactions happening in their body combined with uh, electric uh, impulses being fired in that biological system produces light. And you may be thinking... Oh, of course, Basil and Gon's. we all know that there's angler fish, those scary looking fish that glow in the dark deep, deep in the ocean. We all know about fireflies that create bioluminescence with 100% efficiency, something that scientists are unable to do. We all know about those things. But what about people? What about people, Gon's?
1: Humans glow in the
0: dark. That is right. Even us lowly humans can glow in the dark, It which is pretty interesting when you take into account uh, sort of some of the spiritual aspects, maybe some of the Doug Hamp image of light things. But we'll get into that. Or you can listen to our other podcast episodes. But... Yes, it's true. Humans glow in the dark. Amazing pictures of glittering human bodies have been released by Japanese scientists who have captured the first ever images of human bioluminescence. Now, it took some pretty fancy cameras, some pretty fancy computers to catch this. About a thousand times dimmer than the human human eyeball is able to see, you can see a faint glow glowing from human bodies especially around the face and neck area so it's true the chemical reactions happening in our bodies mixed with the electric impulses firing between our molecules creates a very dim light we literally glow in the dark guns
1: yeah well you know um that's actually confirmed in certain ways in the scriptures and we'll get there we'll get there for sure but uh, there's also, I mean, we're not the only creatures that glow in the dark.
0: It's true, we're not. In fact, below 200 meters of water, light actually can't make it that far down, so photosynthesis can't happen. But bioluminescence gives some creatures a cool, cool look.
1: Yeah, there's, uh, let's see, what we got? Cluster wink snails. Cluster wink snails, yes. Cookie cutter shark is a pretty cool one. Yeah, you got the atola which is a deep-sea-dwelling jellyfish.
0: Yeah, there's all sorts of jellyfish doing that kind of stuff. This one's my favorite. It's a cat shark.
1: Cat shark. You got the simple ones. Why do I have to do all the, the difficult ones, like the abra squid?
0: I don't know, man. Work harder, not smarter. <laughs> kind
1: of like the pinecone fish. Or the uh, Tomopteris, which is a sea worm, and a poly... Oh, I'm not going to even try that. I'm pretty sure you're making
0: these up now. Yeah, it makes a yellow light.
1: But going back to humans,
0: Gons. Wait a you know minute! What's... Hold on.
1: We can't. We can't what? go on without mentioning the vampire squid. Or did you already do that?
0: <laughs> no, but yes, we can mention the, the
1: vampire squid. Yeah, the vampire squid. Cool. Fires a gooey cloud of bioluminescent mucus when it is frightened.
0: I bet that looks pretty cool. Actually, and yeah. pretty. Pretty distracting from uh, predators. Sure, guns. And here's something that's uh, a little bit crazier, actually, and has got—it's got—it raises a lot of questions. This came out last year, actually, that scientists witnessed a flash of light during human conception. Did you hear about this? Have you heard about this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and um, I believe it was uh, some kind of zinc that was sparking. Yeah,
0: well, certainly uh, they think it's a chemical reaction. They're not 100% sure, but they they think it was a chemical reaction happening uh, as the uh, sperm was entering the egg, breaking through the wall. But it has led a lot of people to wonder that perhaps it had something to do with the soul.
1: Yeah, and certainly with light and the light spectrum, maybe certain aspects of unseen light realms enters into the visible light spectrum.
0: There you go. It collapses down from cosmic radiation into the visible light spectrum. Into a little human body. Johnson, do you know that there's electricity in your brain?
1: Uh, at this point, um, I'm not surprised. It seems point. like there's light <laughs> everywhere not, we
0: look. It's not from your CIA microchip implant.
1: Oh, okay. Because well, I was... I was going to say, you know, I can always turn on the microchip and uh, communicate yes. with my handlers. <laughs> well, did you also know that according to Scientific American, scientists can use light to control our brains?
0: Oh no, not mind control again.
1: Yeah, basically, uh, MIT study showed for the first time that stimulating a few neurons in the brain using something called optogenetics uh, they're able to basically control genetically modified neurons with a brief pulse of light. And, you know, they were able to control the memory of a mice using this little light. I guess this sort of speaks into something similar to the uh, whole neuralizer thing that we mentioned earlier.
0: I know, man. They're going to get us with the bright lights. <laughs> That's how they're going to get us. You know, it's even a spookier thing if uh, it gets used in the wrong way. What's that? Do you know that DNA absorbs light?
1: Actually, yes. I used to listen to this uh, podcast called Canary Cry Radio where they talked about it. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) Why don't you tell me about it then? So DNA actually absorbs UV lights only when it is denatured or what's known as hyperchromatic shift. And basically that's kind of the DNA splitting apart. And there are things called purine and pyrimidine bases in the dna and they actually absorb uv light Isn't that what do they do with it what do they do with it <laughs> um I, I think it just glows
0: maybe yeah maybe that's where <laughs> where all uh, all of our glowing comes from
1: maybe the junk dna was just meant to be pretty
0: you know what i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> no but according to molecular biologist chris larson in uh 2002 which is 15 years ago Wielding a spectrophotometer, he said this, DNA absorbs UV light. The reason that DNA absorbs UV radiation is that the energy of a UV photon matches the difference between the two different energy states of DNA's electronic structure. DNA is a very complex molecule electronically. The part of the molecule that is thought to absorb most of the UV radiation is the aromatic ring structure of the purine and pyrimidine bases.
1: Yeah, re- really weird that uh, anything, any word related to pyramid is in your DNA, right? There's
0: pyramids in our DNA, Gons. <laughs> There's... Th- oh my gosh.
1: So, really, you know, it's funny because scientists are... Seeing that, yes, DNA absorbs light and emits light, kind of like a glow stick, right? And we've talked about that. If you leave a glow stick out in the sun, it absorbs all that light, and then you bring it into a dark place and it glows. And, you know, what's the purpose of that? Well, it just seems like some of the things we read about in the Bible reflect this reality that scientists are just starting to discover. And it reminds me of a Jastro quote. And actually, uh, this is Robert Jastro. He uh, really summarizes, I think... Everything that we talked about here, all the science that's being discussed and discovered, here's what Jastrow said. Quote, At this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountain of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. And I, uh, for Ooh. some reason, I just, I, I picture Gandalf kind of smoking his pipe. You know, just like doing his Gandalf voice and saying, I told you. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why that happened, but. <laughs> is Gandalf a theologian? Um, Gandalf is everything. He, he's, he, was,
0: he, was the, he was the theologian of Middle Earth, I guess.
1: Yeah. He was more than that too. But yeah, surely he was definitely a. A theologian. A- anyway.
0: Well, guys uh, this science stuff has gotten to s- such a peak, it's starting to fry my brain. Can we get back to the fun stuff like conspiracies?
1: Sure. Let's get into conspiracies surrounding light. The
2: conspiracies of light.
1: Oh, boy. The, the most obvious thing that we can bring up in terms of conspiracies with light is... The UFO phenomenon, right? It's just lights in the sky, and it's unidentified, and there you go. That's that's it. That's our conspiracy section on light.
0: <laughs> it's certainly a start, but there's also the orbs of light floating around in the sky. Sometimes people taking pictures, seeing orbs of light. Uh, some people have referred to aliens as beings of light, things like that. But I think even a little bit simpler. There's even conspiracies surrounding light bulbs that are are, they're a little bit more uh, a little bit more realistic for now
1: sure the light bulb conspiracy which is a it's an illuminating conspiracy theory and nice um, good one (laughs) yeah so there was something called the phoebus cartel which operated under the premise that their only wish Back early on in the 1900s was to standardize the whole light bulb industry, but there's a lot of conspiracy theorists and analysts that think differently. They think that instead they wanted to reduce the lifespan of the light bulb that were being produced. And according to them, before 1924, the lifespan of a light bulb, a standard light bulb, was about 2,000 hours. But when the cartel was formed, the life expectancy of the light bulb was reduced to half and the conspiracy theorists and analysts think that this was a way they could manage to increase the demand of light bulbs to raise the profit of the light bulb industry. Well, what happened to this Phoebus cartel? Are they still around? No, they stopped operating in 1939, but you know, the model of, you know, creating less than par products to, uh, Control the market, so to speak, is is definitely in play since then.
0: Yeah, this sounds like like one of the first uh, planned obsolescence conspiracies. I mean, nowadays, obviously, it's pretty clear that there's planned obsolescence built into, especially Apple products, a lot of electronics and refrigerators and appliances. Really, we have the technology today to make things well enough that they just never break. But if they never break, all the companies would go out of business.
1: Yeah. And you know, we brought up the centennial light at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. That's just proof right there. It's been on for 108 years. You yeah. Know, why is, more than why that. is
0: this one so fancy? Why can't we just make more like that? Why do I have to have all these weird super bright led blah, blah bulbs? I just want a <laughs> centennial light. That's all I need.
1: The pigtail lights where you have to like go through 50 different procedures to dispose of them.
0: Yeah. Did you know that uh, some people have tried to work to beat these light bulb standards in the past? For example, the German watchmaker Dieter Benninger in 1975, Benninger made a light bulb that was supposed to last for 150,000 hours. Nice. It's, about, it's about 17 years just without any problems. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash. That was officially considered an accident. Uh, yeah, always, but, uh, weird. You know, you always stay away from small aircraft, people. Especially if you're trying to disrupt somebody's money-making scheme. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, this, this kind of reminds us of the whole Tesla deal, too, right? I mean, he figured out free energy and, you know, uh, Edison and the bankers wouldn't Impossible. have it. Yeah. Impossible. So so that's, you know what, this is more of a real conspiracy, right? This isn't a that's theory, this saying. is more of a fact, right? So. It,
0: it's a conspiracy, but it is a conspiracy. They conspired, right? You know, when we talk a lot about conspiracies, a lot of times it has to do with government and, you know, geopolitics and the military-industrial complex. But the military-industrial complex, I mean they've been experimenting with crazy weapons hitler experimented with his sound gun and and all that crazy stuff i mean but what, what you got do you got some military stuff for me
1: yeah you know they've been trying to create light weapons you know lightning guns and things like that which is weird because you know we don't really see that kind of stuff out in the open we we see it in movies and stuff but i think most people would be surprised to know that They were actually creating these light beam weapons way, way back during the days of the Greek inventor Archimedes, who used a great mirror or set of mirrors to set fire to a Roman ship. And uh, this was in the city of Syracuse back in 212 BC, and scientists and scholars have been debating whether this actually happened, but, you know, it's actually plausible, and I think it's definitely something that they could have thought of using some mirrors right using the sun we all have done the thing where we either get a mirror or a a magnifying glass and we concentrate the light and you know we burn a piece of paper or something like that on the ground well i think they were doing that way back in the day and uh that's the beginning of light weapons
0: yeah you know it seems pretty fantastical but Really, uh, at that time, mirrors were uh, pretty much the one of the heights of technological process uh, yeah. or progress. Sorry. And so, yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense that, a that a Greek inventor would try to harness the power of the sun, which was already such a mythological sort of expression of science at the time. I mean, this was back when they were probably assuming that Apollo was shining down his burning light so they could harness it to set ships aflame.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, out here on the left coast, uh, you drive from uh, the California coast there, when we go to Las Vegas, not that I'm a big Vegas guy, actually I don't really like it there, but you drive through this area called Barstow and a few years ago the U.S. Department of Energy, uh, along with some businesses, constructed a solar power tower station in the Mojave Desert near Barstow, California, and it was uh, it's just an energy station that just harnesses the sun's rays, and a bunch of mirrors are laid out to collect that energy. And you know it's it's being done right now. It's the same concept as they were doing back in uh, ancient Greece, except you know they're just harnessing the energy a little bit differently and using it for different purposes. Or are they? Yeah. You know,
0: it's interesting. This kind of reminds me of how we know that governments uh, nowadays are trying to develop laser weapons. Uh, Fun fact, laser is actually an acronym for Light Amplification and Stimulated Emission of Radiation. Uh, And Albert Einstein was the first to propose the mechanism. uh, And then it was created, uh, I think, in 1960 by Theodore uh, Maiman made it and used some, some gemstones to make it work. But, right. that being said, are there lightning laser guns in the US military?
1: <laughs> um, officially? <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Official story? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. This was reported by the BBC back before they were fake news. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe they were fake news then too. Uh, 2012 lightning laser weapon developed by u.s army Uh, george fisher lead scientist on the project said that quote we never got tired of the lightning bolts zapping our simulated targets and uh, he went on to say during the duration of the laser pulse it can be putting out more than a large city needs but the pulse only lasts for two trillionths of a second.
0: Wow! So it's basically a lightning strike. I'm looking at a picture of it here, and they're just able to channel more energy than a city needs into yeah. a trillionth of a second. Sorry, yeah, two trillionths of a second. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, get it right. It's fifty billion watts. I mean, that yep. would pretty much destroy anything it comes in contact
1: with. Yeah, if you compare it, a standard filament light bulb uses about 100 watts, so a billion watts, uh, that's a lot.
0: 50 billion watts is even more!
1: Yeah, Fisher goes on to say here, If a laser beam is intense enough, its electromagnetic field is strong enough to rip electrons off of air molecules, creating plasma. This plasma is located along the path of the laser beam so we can direct it wherever we want by moving a mirror.
0: Classic mirror. Classic Archimedes mirror. Oh man, it all goes back to the mirror.
1: Yeah. Actually, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I actually did a little digging on the origin of mirrors and it's an interesting study.
0: I bet it is. There's a lot of weird esoteric stuff about mirrors too. But. Yeah. You want to hear about some funny, Gons? What's that? Did you hear about the Pentagon's lightning gun?
1: I did, yes. This is uh, very, very fascinating, a very interesting story that was published on Wired. And uh, the headline was, Pentagon's lightning gun sold for scraps on eBay? Yeah. I actually made it a question. It's not a question in the title. But (laughs) there was a time not long ago when the Pentagon sank tens of millions of dollars into remote-controlled lightning guns, that it hoped would fry insurgent bombs before they killed any more troops. And um, interestingly enough, uh, there was a guy, uh, his name is Cody Oliver. He is just nonchalantly hanging out with, uh, you know, the creator of Tesla, Elon Musk. You know, and they were discussing what to do for the 2011 Burning Man and, um, you know, noble cause, right, to create some kind of art piece to, uh, you know, have at the Burning Man event there. So he goes on eBay and he finds a pair of OmniTech Robotics NGCM1 controllers. It's the kind of high-end tech electronics that ordinarily sold for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but Oliver found it on eBay for a thousand bucks. So he bought it and he had it shipped out to his little locale. And when he walked up to it, he noticed something weird. He noticed that there were buttons that said "Enable Weapon" and. Weapon on, and a giant red button that said stop.
0: <laughs>
1: can you imagine, Basil, if you uh, go on eBay and you buy something, you think it's uh, you know a cool little thing that you can use for uh, your your Burning Man centerpiece, and then you find out that it's a giant government laser weapon?
0: <laughs> well, what's the story? Why were they even selling the weapon on eBay?
1: The funny thing is, he was able to figure out what it was because the protection or the encryption on the device that attaches to the the machine was just so poorly done there was no password on the gear all he had to do when he jumped on was type in root and he can get into all the information he found a string of code that said ion pays bills equals true and he discovered that ion was a stock market symbol for ionatron which was a company that managed to convince paul wolfowitz the Deputy Defense Secretary during the early years of the George W. Bush administration to give the firm $30 million for its bomb-zapping laser gun. And it's shaped like a golf cart, and the remote-controlled gins were supposed to use short pulse lasers to carve conductive channels in the air, and electricity could then be sent down those channels, frying bombs from a safe distance. I mean, it's a pretty intense weapon there that they're just dropping on eBay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a like a Pentagon flop is what happened. Sounds like they created this weapon, gonna try to, you know, use it, and sounds like wh- whoever made it for them didn't do a very good job.
1: Well, it, well, I mean, even worse, okay, it might have failed sort of the protocol or, or what they were trying to do. However, in 2006, the Washington Post recounted two gins were flown to Afghanistan. And according to the article, at one point the kill switch failed and the device continued to fire bolts of electricity And a steep mountain terrain and poor roads also proved difficult for the djinn, which kept rolling down the hill and flipping over.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a literal flop. A literal Pentagon flop. (laughs) So
1: So you have a laser gun that rolls down hills. It's not very efficient in moving around. And the kill switch doesn't work. Yeah, that's... That's a, that's a problem. That's,
0: that's, so let's put it on eBay. Let's put it on eBay and some guy can bring it to Burning Man.
1: Yeah, so the Pentagon eventually soured on the gins and uh, Ionotron lost most of its cash. It changed its name. Uh, it got wrapped up in some shareholder lawsuits and insider trading. It almost sounds um, like
0: they were just funneling money. I mean, it sounds like this weapon was so poorly made that they were just funneling money into the company through the government. I mean,
1: uh, you know, I I think this kind of thing probably well, it may not happen to the degree it, ha- it happened here now, but certainly before there were, you know, certain jurisdictions, um it was probably easy to do and more than just that, there was no encryption, no password into the machine, and they just all they used to control this was Standard Wi-Fi. <laughs> just
0: a standard unprotected Wi-Fi. Yep. So to control the weapon, an enemy could just log on to the Wi-Fi with no password and start controlling it. Yep. Probably why the kill switch stopped working.
1: Yeah. And, and the, uh, there was actually a Linksys router that was attached to it. And for some reason, the serial number was scratched off. And, you know, this guy Oliver being, you know, a, a guy who's... I guess, I don't know, trying to do the right thing. He contacted the CEO of Omnitech Robotics, which was an Ionatron supplier. And, you know, just let him know like, Hey, you know, got this thing here, you know, machine. And, um, the CEO, David Parrish, he quickly responded those systems were sold to Ionotron under NDA non-disclosure agreement. If you openly disclose this type of information and violate NDA or copyrights, you and or Ionotron may be liable for infringement. Any use of the scrap parts you have is dangerous at your own risk and not authorized or supported by Omnitech, which is probably the right thing to do there, um, you know, and so... Oliver thought, eh, it's probably not worth using this thing to uh, create his little, his little project.
0: <laughs> he washed his hands of his faulty Pentagon flop uh, lightning bolt weapon.
1: Yeah. Um, but despite the fact, uh, you know, the U.S. military, the military industrial complex continues to pour millions into creating a lightning weapon, which we just reported seems to exist already. Yeah. Well, it's only a matter
0: of time. Only a matter of time before the lightning weapon makes its way onto
1: the battlefield. Yeah, so just, you know, always keep an eye out on eBay for those failed government projects.
0: Yeah. Now, Gons, as we slowly make our way from the conspiracy realm to the esoteric, uh, there's this interesting uh, thing we have on our notes here that I kind of wanted to ask you a few questions about. So, uh, Gons, have you heard of this guy, Jared Kushner? I have. He is the husband of uh,
1: Ivanka Trump, which is the daughter of our current president, who's apparently
0: a racist. Well, that's not what this podcast is about. No. Or isn't about. It's both particle and wave. (laughs) Good one. Um, Well, in the 666 building, there is a company called Lucian Technologies. And those who have listened to this podcast before are seeing a connection between Lucent and Lucifer the Lightbringer. Well, Lucent Technologies has a headquarters in Murray Hill, and they have something called an anechoic chamber. Now, just a side note here, Lucent Technologies, uh, their headquarters is in the shape of a pyramid, just something to note. But an anechoic chamber is an interesting technological feat. An anechoic chamber, uh, according to Wikipedia, is a room designed to completely absorb reflections of either sound or electromagnetic waves. They are also often isolated from waves entering from their surroundings. This combination means that a person or detector exclusively hears direct sounds, no reverberant sounds, and sees no light stimulation inside what seems to be an infinitely large room. Now, this is interesting because uh, this particular anechoic chamber that they have also doesn't let uh, RF signals in, radio frequency in, or electromagnetic waves. So you, it's basically kind of reminds me of the chamber chamber that uh, Dr. Xavier would go into to use his psychic powers to, like, see the universe.
1: Right. Yeah, it is kind of similar. I mean, I I don't know if the functionality from the science fiction... (laughs) Who
0: knows, Scones? (laughs) Who knows? It's in a pyramid. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's it's an interesting... An interesting thing to have and you know this could be used for testing equipment it can be used for uh, just getting away for a nice peaceful nap but these anechoic chambers are uh, I would assume the most peaceful place on
1: earth yeah they test uh, F-16 flight engines in there and stuff it's pretty crazy but even more the technologies that are being developed are things like Cellular tech, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, LTE. Microchips. And RFID microchips. Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. Oh, boy. And you might be asking, why are we talking about RFID chips on the light episode? Remember, it's all part of the electromagnetic spectrum. That's right. Yeah. So, Gans, we've alluded to some esoteric things involving light so far. So, why don't you walk us through a little bit of... The oh so exciting esoteric references to light and things regarding it.
1: Light for the esoteric. Right. And yeah, you know, we talk about, (laughs) interestingly enough, we discuss the light bearer Lucifer quite a bit on this podcast. And, you know, we believe that that is actually a fallen one. Uh, But the narrative that a lot of esotericists hold. Is that Lucifer was the one who gave us life, and we've mentioned this person before, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. She uh, actually, her one of her books uh, was bedside reading for Hitler. So uh, Hitler was getting some of his ideas from Blavatsky. But she said in the Secret Doctrine, Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer. Is the logos, the serpent, the savior, and that's from page one seventy one. You know, this was written over a hundred years ago in the late eighteen hundreds, but it's just so weird because that whole sentiment is so popularized now, and people don't realize it.
0: Yeah, it's true. And uh, Lucifer, the light bringer, you know, as oftentimes is connected with Prometheus, who is, I believe, the Greek or Roman um, god or demigod who brought. Fire rebelled against the gods and brought fire down to humanity, which started them on their journey of technology and progress on this earth. And that's why a lot of people regard this Lucifer character as sort of like Helena said, the savior.
1: Yeah, it's now, really it's, it's totally flipped.
0: Yes. And it's interesting because biblically Lucifer is the fallen one called out by name, the one who fell from heaven for rebelling against God. And in the book, The Mysteries of Magic by Eliphas Levi, brother Eliphas Eliphas Levi, he writes, quote, what is more absurd and more impious than to attribute the name of Lucifer to the devil, that is to personified evil. The intellectual Lucifer is the spirit of intelligence and love. It is the paraclete, it is the Holy Spirit, while the physical Lucifer is the great agent of universal magnetism. Yikers. Mm, yikers is correct. <laughs> yikers, indeed. I mean, this is, uh, this is pretty hardcore. I mean, it's, it's directly opposed to what's written in the ancient text of the scriptures. And not only that, but it's, I mean, it, it's completely
1: opposite. It's crazy. It's, it's a diametrically opposed view. And it's also mentioned in the secret teachings of all ages by 33 degree Freemason Manley P. Hall. He said that I hereby promise the great spirit Lucifer, prince of demons, that each year I will bring unto him a human soul to do with as it may please him. In return, Lucifer promises to bestow upon me the treasures of the earth and fulfill my every desire for the length of my natural life. I mean, come on. That, 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 does that not sound like the devil offering you the kingdoms of the world for worship?
0: And it, and it goes to say, if I fail to bring him each year the offering specified above, then my own soul shall be forfeit to him. And I mean the signed in how, blood. Yeah. How can they say that Lucifer is the spirit of intelligence and love, the Holy Spirit? And the physical agent of universal magnetism, and then literally make oaths to Lucifer to bring him human souls, and if you uh, in <laughs> to tr- trade human souls for every uh, treasure of the earth and fulfill every desire for the length of my natural life. I mean, they, these people just talk in circles. If they, they call it love, and then at the same time requires blood sacrifice and is promised uh, earthly treasures that is the exact biblical definition of lucifer
1: yeah yeah it's really interesting and it is true that there is a biblical precedent that lucifer or satan uh, or the you know rebellious angel cherubim was once you know the exalted one so to speak or one that's supposed to look over creation so to speak i mean there's that narrative William Shakespeare once said, angels are bright still, though the brightest fell, alluding to that whole concept. Yeah. Even Aleister Crowley, you know, and and I'm hoping that some of this stuff, as we get through some of these quotes, speaks to some of the chaos and turmoil that we're seeing right now, actually, um, you know, in the politically charged world that we're living in. But uh, Aleister Crowley wrote in The Vision and The Voice with commentary in other papers, quote, I cling unto the burning aether like Lucifer that fell through the abyss, and by the fury of his flight kindled the air. And I am Belial, for having seen the rose upon thy breast, I have denied God. And I am Satan, I am Satan. I am cast out upon a burning crag, and the sea boils about the desolation thereof, and already the vultures gather and feast upon my flesh. Yikes! I mean, mean, this is the guy that influenced Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and all of, you know, rock and roll and
0: Yeah. Well Jay Z
1: quoting him and Yeah. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the Beatles and Rock and Roll and Jay-Z, Saul Alinsky in his book Rules for Radicals, a pragmatic primer for realistic radicals, he writes, lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is To know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which. So he's right here admitting that he believes in uh, a literal Lucifer. The very first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer.
1: Yeah, and this was <laughs> this quote was really popularized in the last election cycle because... Uh, Hillary Clinton during the campaign talked about how she admired Saul Alinsky <laughs> and people were like wait a minute isn't, isn't that the guy who was like exalting Lucifer and I, think, I think Ben Carson even went on stage and, and mentioned it so yeah I mean this is really uh, it's, it's so bizarre to look around and see that people are following ideologies that come straight from people that worship Lucifer
0: Yep, there you go
1: light in the Bible, so Lucifer, the light bearer, right? And, and you know, we can't talk about light without getting all esoteric and talking about Lucifer. But the biblical narrative is very interesting, right? You have light separated from darkness at the very beginning. Um, but there's a few different ways people have interpreted scripture, and uh, you know, this is just one way that that uh, people have talked about it. And I'm not saying that it's the only way to understand it. But, uh, you know, this idea of a fallen spiritual being prior to humanity being around, it's an interesting study. And if you go to Jeremiah 4, verse 23, and you follow that from Genesis 1:2, where it says, you know, uh, the earth was without form and void, the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And you skip right to Jeremiah 4-23, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, and to the heavens... And they had no light, which is interesting, right? It kind of contrasts right after where in Genesis 1:3 it says, let there be light. And if you skip back to Jeremiah 4, verse 24, I looked on the mountains and behold, they were quaking and the hills moved to and fro. Verse 25, I looked and behold, there was no man and all the birds of the air had fled. Verse 26, I looked and behold, the fruitful land was a desert and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Which is really interesting. Some people have stated that this was actually the destruction of the world before the creation of man. And that's where the story of the fallen Lucifer comes from. And perhaps the spirit of Antichrist is this entity Lucifer who had some kind of body of some sort, um, losing his body and now roaming around is the spirit of Antichrist who has been there since the beginning as First uh, John talks about. So it's really interesting to talk about where this concept comes from and why, you know, it, it's, it's weird because as we read some of these quotes from these folks who worship Lucifer, they almost see the injustice, right? Oh, Lucifer was wronged by Yahweh. He was the, the light bearer and, you know, he should be exalted again restored to his rightful place in creation. It's a a very bizarre thing.
0: Yeah. In fact, you know, in the book Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, on page 321, it says, Lucifer, the light bearer, strange and mysterious name to give to the spirit of darkness, Lucifer, the son of the morning, is it he who bears the light and with its splendor intolerable, blinds, feeble, sensual, or selfish souls? Doubt it not. So they're saying you get your morals from this guy. He's cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
1: That's Albert Pike that uh, I believe wrote the Morals and Dogma. But you know, the Bible's pretty clear. Second Corinthians 11:14 and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light.
0: Yep. And Luke 10:11 says and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven.
1: Yeah, so there's this association with Satan and light in a way that uh can be very confusing if you don't know where your context is coming from. That's
0: true. And you know, Gons, the word light occurs in the Bible 245 times in the KJV and 225 times in the ESV, for
1: example. Why don't you take us through some of these? So, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, light is mentioned in the first chapter of the Bible and the final chapter of the Bible you have let there be light, and there was light in verse 3 of Genesis 1. And then in Revelation chapter 22 in verse 5, it says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So in reality, light is actually good, and God declares that in verse 4, right?
0: Guns, now you have a very popular YouTube channel, right? <laughs> Gons, uh, you have a very popular YouTube oh, channel. Let's just face it;
1: <laughs> it's 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 all right. I'm not it, I'm not competing with the uh, Jake Pauls of the world.
0: <laughs> and your your YouTube channel and uh, sort of the the brand, if you will, of the some of the material you put out is uh, called "Face Like the Sun." Yes. And I know you you actually get a lot of you get a lot of blowback from some people saying that. Face like the sun is referring to Lucifer. Would you like to clarify?
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear it all, man. W- are you sun worshiping? Um, yeah. Wh-
0: why are you sun worshiping? W- well, uh, is I'm it not. because is it because they haven't read their Bibles?
1: Yes, and that's the most frustrating part. Is a lot of these folks that accuse me of being sun worshiping are Christians. It's like, hey, man, go read your Bible. But yeah, I I found some stories when I was trying to you know come up with a handle for some of this work online. There was a couple stories that really resonated with me and I thought it was fascinating. So the first one was, um, you know, Matthew 17, 2, where it talks about Jesus transfiguring on what we believe is Mount Hermon, uh, where the Watchers came down and he's kind of reclaiming that area and his face shone like the sun, you know, and his garment was white as light. And you know, he basically transfigured in front of um, some of his disciples there and, and he was glowing. And obviously, you know, people talk about it as, oh, it was just a metaphorical thing. I don't think so. I think something was going on. And the reason why I think this was actually a physical thing that happened. Well, first off, we have the science to back it up now that DNA can absorb light and emit light. And that, you know, bioluminescence, human bodies and animals and stuff can glow. So that's not all that crazy, but there's a passage in Exodus in Exodus 34, it's really interesting. This is where when Moses goes up to the mountain to uh, talk to God, he goes face to face with God, or, or he tries to anyways, in the presence of God. And he comes down. And here's what it says, starting in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses's hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Verse 30, and when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him or near him. Verse 35, and the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, and the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put a veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, okay, so people have said, oh, this is just a metaphorical light because Moses was in the presence of God. Well, if that was the case, why did they put a bag on his head?
0: <laughs> There's a few times in the Bible when people were literally shining. And it's interesting to uh, talk about, as we did, the DNA absorbing light and the bioluminescence within the human body. And But obviously those are uh, very dim most of the time. But something about coming in contact with uh, God or his ac- angels or his angels activate um, that light and it it shines out like a light bulb that hasn't been uh, developed with planned obsolescence.
1: <laughs> yeah and, and then in the New Testament in Acts 12:7 it says, and behold an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And this is when Peter, who's in prison, walks out of prison because the angels come and rescue him. And it's characterized with a light shining in the cell. So there's something there. You're right. I think this whole electromagnetic spectrum thing, there's a biblical precedence to it. Isn't that really interesting and kind of cool?
0: It's really interesting. And not only were there stories of lights actually shining in the Bible, but also prophecies about how we will all shine one day. And uh, that's found in Isaiah 60 in verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Uh, verse 2 For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and the daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. And this was a prophecy uh, by Isaiah. And it's really, I mean, talking about people being bright as light. Now you could take this in a in a metaphorical or sort of poetic context, in that your light is just maybe your influence or your attitude or your countenance or something like that. Right. Uh, but we know that in the the end days, all sorts of crazy stuff is going to be happening. So I think more people uh, lighting up with their uh, sort of uh, God given uh, bioluminescence is not fully out of the question.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really kind of neat i think that there's a jive here between some of the science that we talked about and some of the scriptures that we can understand in a more concrete way or at least you know uh, consider the possibility that this wasn't just a you know poetic language it was actually a, a vision of a reality that um man it's kind of hard to imagine you know that we're going to be all glowy
0: it's gonna be cool
1: it'll be cool so to wrap things up here we're just gonna throw down a few more verses that talk about the true light of God and where our purpose and role is in that. Matthew 5.14, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid.
0: John 8.12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of
1: life. John 9 verse 5 says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Words of Jesus.
0: And Romans thirteen twelve, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that. Guns, that wasn't too painful, was it? Um, well. <laughs> I mean, it only took us six or seven tries.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, there seem to be forces against us, you know, talking about this topic for some reason. But hey, we got through it.
0: We certainly did. And if you guys enjoyed it, please let us know. You can email us at canarycryradio at gmail.com. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Canary Cry Radio, where we post all of our material. We have Canary Cry News Talk, we have Canary Cry Radio, the Joy Spiracy Theory, my uh podcast I do on the side gets posted there. And Guns, you post your face like the sun stuff there, right?
1: Yes, I try to anyway. I'm 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 kind of getting confused about what Facebook is doing with so many changes and
0: We shall endure, Guns. We shall endure. Yeah. Hey, if you haven't already, if you could go to iTunes or whatever podcast player you play this podcast on, please leave us a rating and a review. That's a number of stars and some words describing why you did that. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do it. And if you liked this type of podcast, this sort of a duo podcast, you can go check out our other episodes like the water episode or the zombie episode. Um, that, that is cool. And if you are feeling so led to support this ministry that we do, you can go to canarycryradio.com, click on the support tab, and there will be all sorts of options there that you could pledge a monthly gift. Or if commitment's not your thing, you can go ahead and give a one-time gift as well. We are so appreciative of everybody who does that. It is the only reason we are able to continue doing these And I got to let you know, in the coming months, we are getting ready to ramp up production and come out with a bunch more episodes. We have heard the cry, and now we are answering. And if you haven't checked out our other show, Canary Cry News Talk, quite yet, you should definitely do that. Now, I know what you're thinking. I get enough news on my Facebook wall or my mainstream media outlets or even my Infowars. Well, I'm telling you this. The stories we talk about on Canary Cry News are usually ones that you are not going to hear on any of those outlets. We pick out stories that are buried and have some pretty essential components as to what to look for in the coming days, especially with things getting as crazy as they are. I think our last episode, we pretty much exclusively talked about robots and how they're trying to kill us all, but in a very newsworthy way.
1: Yeah, and uh, we seem to take the technology angle quite a bit, but it's because a lot of the technology elements are coming into play, and even some of the natural disasters and the power outages and things like that that we're currently witnessing that people are all focused on, it could be, and I'm just a... Totally throwing this out there not saying that it is. It could be a systematic teardown so that they can create and uh, build new infrastructure which will be equipped with the latest tech which will enslave us all, Basil.
0: And if you want to hear more about that, you can go to your iTunes or other podcast player and search Canary Cry News Talk. And there's a chance we might be posting some more on this feed as well. So keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, and you know, just to wrap things up here, there's one more light verse that I wanted to um, to relay out there. You know, because it's, we are a Christian podcast, right? I mean, I know the word Christian is kind of loaded, but we're Jesus people talking about stuff.
0: We did and just so, talk about uh, the Bible for about a half hour.
1: That's <laughs> that's true. There, there was one that I, that we missed that I that I thought we could throw in here, which comes from Matthew 11:30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Nice one. Like feathers. <laughs> I always pictured feathers with that passage for some reason.
0: Yeah, I that is a light material.
1: Yep. And it floats S- down. Nice and easy.
0: <laughs> so there you have it folks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. Spectrophotometer. Spectrophom- okay. And also, GE's got uh, General Electric has been busted. Uh, never mind. They were part of the Phoebus cartel. Yeah. Um. Yep. Okay. We're going to move Volcanoes. on. Volcans. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to move Volcanoes. from...